This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, we speculated yesterday that at the end of the baseball team's dispute in Cleveland with a roller derby team of the same name that the team would still be named the guardians and it is word comes this morning they've come to an agreement an amicable settlement where both the roller derby team and the cleveland baseball team will be the guardians check out details on cleveland.com it's today in ohio the news podcast discussion from cleveland.com and the plain dealer i'm chris quinn here with my colleagues laura johnston layla tassi and lisa garvin and guys it's official our audience has increased more than 175 percent in four weeks partly because we're feeding it into facebook more effectively and partly because people once they hear it they keep coming back so thanks to everybody (laughs) who is joining this audience we'd love to hear your thoughts on it you can reach me at cquinn at cleveland.com ready to get started Yes, sir. Absolutely. Let's go. Why are Ohio legislators thinking of giving $300 million to nursing homes in the state with absolutely no strings attached? Layla, I get it. Nursing homes got hammered like many industries by the pandemic, but there were certain areas they were hit in. Like they had a hard time getting employees and they had a hard time cleaning their air ducts. But the legislators who are completely corruptible in this state are ready to write them a blank check and they could use it to pay executives and just suck it dry and not put it into the nursing homes. What's the thinking here? I think that's the crux of this whole thing. This is House Bill 461. It's sponsored by Cincinnati area Republican Representative Sarah Carruthers. It would provide nursing home nursing homes a, a one-time payment that comes from the American Rescue Plan Act. Ohio is in line to receive 5.8 billion over two years from this from this act. The 1.9 this is the 1.9 trillion dollar economic stimulus that Congress passed uh, in the spring. The first year's installment was already distributed to the state, and and a lot of it has been spent on other things. About 850 million dollars remains from that installment, and House Bill 461 would spend over a third of it. And like you said, the nursing home industry has really suffered during the pandemic. They've seen staffing shortages, costs have gone up, and and there have been fewer patients because families have removed their loved ones out of the facilities because of fear of COVID, not to mention they've had to rely very heavily on staffing agencies because too many nursing home employees don't want to get vaccinated, which is the mandate. Yet House Bill 461 doesn't contain any rules about how nursing homes or the companies that own them should spend the money. So the money could be spent on anything from from pay raises and personal protective equipment all the way to, you know, C-suite bonuses and stock buybacks. So it doesn't guarantee that the money will go to support the work done by the caregivers at the front line of the pandemic. So guess what? It won't. It won't go to the support <laughs> oh, the work of please. the caregivers. Have some faith. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even the representatives of two of the state's largest nursing home associations say that they had hoped for assistance, but they didn't ask for this. So, you know, the good government advocates say what we're all thinking about it. If you want to spend federal stimulus money on bailing out nursing homes, it has to come with some spending guidelines. 
Well, you know, the nursing home lobby is probably second only to First Energy in its power to corrupt the legislators and make them do whatever they want. This is just one powerful group that spends a lot of money. But but I also can't help but think lots of industries were crippled by the pandemic. I mean, we could go through them one by one by one about all of the different sectors of the economy that were so seriously hurt by this pandemic, not least of which the media industry. <laughs> Why the nursing home gets the money. I, I mean, know, what exactly. Is it with this legislature, man, they just constantly do this kind of stuff that makes no sense. If yeah. you want to help them get employees, Demand that the money go to salaries right, for right. people below a certain level. That, right. that this has to be frontline workers or, or you know, certified people that work in nursing homes. It just makes, or if they want to refit their entire heating system so that they have cleaner air circulating through to keep viruses from hitting everybody, fine. But to just give them a blank check, that, that this legislature is just crooked every right. time you look at them. And you're right, there are other industries that could use a piece of this money, one of them being the child care industry. And that is an industry exactly. that's critical to getting the economy back on its feet because parents can't go back to work if they don't have a place where their children can go. And the and you don't have a place if your children can go if there's, uh, you know, if they're crippled by all the forces that are also crippling the nursing home industry. So... Uh, you know, and, and the fact that, you know, the, nur- the nursing home political action committees make these generous political contributions. Crothers doesn't appear to have been the direct recipient of any of that. But at least one of those PACs is given to the Ohio Republican state central and executive committee, you know, state candidate fund. So, yeah, there's a dirty side to this. And uh, oh, I feel it's like it's completely, completely transparent. <laughs> right. It's completely bogus. Look, you make a great point about the child care industry. That would do more to help more people than the nursing home bill. But, you know, because they don't have the power for lobby that gets into the pockets of these guys, that doesn't happen. This is one of the bigger outrages in a legislature that really commits nothing but. I hope somebody puts the brakes to it or DeWine, if it comes through to him, he should veto the damn thing because Mm -hmm. this is not the way government is supposed to deal with our precious tax dollars. Make it accountable. Put some rigor to it and make sure they spend it on stuff that will actually help Ohioans instead of executives of the nursing home companies. Throw in the flag. This is a bad bill. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Why are the Cleveland Foundation and the Cleveland schools seeing so much promise in a groundbreaking program to prepare students for real jobs upon graduation? Laura, this doesn't sound all that radical, but it really is pretty radical for Cleveland. What they're trying to do here, it's a whole different approach to helping kids thrive once they leave the Cleveland school system. Long been in the planning, and it's, it's one of those Cleveland Foundation grants that you can see very tangible results for. Yeah, absolutely. This is called the Planning and Career Exploration Initiative. It's nicknamed PASTE, and it's going to be part of the curriculum for all students in grades 6 through 12. And the idea is they're going to provide students with the knowledge, skills, and experience for the careers they wish to pursue. So obviously, it's going to start out pretty general. In sixth grade, maybe they'll be taking field trips to places like Lincoln Electric. But by the time that they graduate, they'll have a narrow career focus and a lot of experience for which to draw from that they'll know what they want to do after graduation, which, you know, gives kids a path forward, which is really nice. But you're right, the planning process began in September 2019. More than 40 organizations and more than 70 employers have been involved. So it's not just a school district saying this will be nice. These are businesses saying, 
here's how we're going to participate and here's what we want kids to know by the time they graduate so we have an educated workforce. You know, there you could argue that this is a shift in the educational system, that in the past that the educational system was about teaching kids to learn and arming them with, with information that will carry them through life. But Cleveland has a poverty situation that is resulting in a violent situation because a lot of people in Cleveland have no hope of economic thriving. This could give people that. If you start reaching kids in the school system saying, look, when you graduate, this is you. This is the money you'll be making. This is the, the life you could have for yourself if you apply. That's true vision, right? That's the kind of thing that's like, oh, wait, it isn't hopeless. I do value life. And it could brush back the violence problem. Layla, you wrote the uh, a lot of the Greater Cleveland Project where we looked at poverty. How do you think this figures into that? Oh, I think I think it would make a, an enormous uh, impact. Um, and, and in fact, you know, we are... We're about to launch our next installment of, of that project. When you're in high school, you know, when you're taking algebra, it'd be so easy to be like, when am I ever going to use this? This is pointless. I don't care. And you're right, Chris. I mean, kids who don't see the point in school, who don't have a lot of hope, they don't see a path forward for a career for them to stay to stay in school or to make good money after they graduate. And this will give kids the tools they need and hopefully give them a lot of inspiration to know what they want to do. They're looking at 16 broad career career fields that includes healthcare, manufacturing, IT, and they're going to build a support system in this so that they have career awareness and work-based learning opportunities. So hopefully they'll know a lot of people that in their chosen career field that will sponsor them or give them internships and, and really have a great relationship to fall back on. The key is the vision. If, if you can make the kid have the vision of themselves in a thriving economic situation where they can build wealth, then then there's hope. I mean, you take hopelessness that exists in so many Cleveland neighborhoods and you make it hopeful. It, it just sounds like a great idea. And if you couple that with what Mayor-elect Justin Bibb wants to do with universal after-school child care, which removes the kids from the streets where there's a lot of gun violence during those three hours after school, you might actually have a plan here to reduce gun violence that, that has been, you know, that has eluded us for quite some quite some time. So very cool. Uh, and it's something that the foundation and the Cleveland schools have been working on a long time with a bunch of partners. Hope it works well. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Will the Ohio Senate and House pass the congressional maps quickly now? Now that we've done a story saying that two people hijacked the whole system, there's a lot of activity going on. Lisa, where do we stand with the congressional maps, not to be confused with the legislative maps that are before the Ohio Supreme Court? Yeah, these maps are, are poised to probably be approved this week. The first vote is by the Senate Government Oversight and Reform Committee. That takes place today at 1030 a.m. And then on Wednesday, the House Government Oversight Committee will have possibly vote. And it's now called House Bill 258. They're both the House and the Senate have their own version of the maps, both of which have a 13-2 GOP majority. But uh, the Senate plan apparently has more, quote, competitive districts, four of them favoring the GOP by five or fewer points, which they call competitive. Um, Matt Huffman, he says he prefers the Senate map. Um, the House 
map splits up Toledo, Akron, Columbus. The Senate map only splits up Columbus. And if you look at this map, there's a big blue chunk right there in Cuyahoga County. That's one Democratic district. And there's a tiny little chunk just northwest of Columbus, which is the other Democratic district. But yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine they're not going to pass with a Republican majority. It's, It's very, very disappointing. But if they don't get one third of Democrats in the legislature to vote for this, it's only a four-year map. Well, and the Supreme Court will consider it. This will go to the court. And it this, to go from where we are now, which is four Democratic seats to two, after voters went to the polls in large numbers and said, we want to end gerrymandering, the Supreme Court can't help but look at whether this violates that constitutional change and the spirit of it. So I don't think these can stand. You can't you can't say, okay, the voters have spoken, they don't like our gerrymandering and make it worse. I mean it's just a power drunk supermajority in the legislature that keeps doing this. The other thing that's gotta happen, and I think this will spur it, there'll be before if they're four year maps, before we get to the four years, there'll be a new constitutional amendment, I feel certain, that takes the whole process away from the elected leaders of Ohio and goes a different way. I mean this has just been a it's disaster. It's been a sham just from beginning to end. And it's like just two guys are basically drawing these maps, Huffman and Cup. Nobody else has right. been involved. Yeah, I mean, they're just depraved. I mean, they're, they're not working in good faith. They're defying the will of the people. Uh, it's just a power drunk pair of people that we didn't even get to vote for. I mean, we, these aren't guys we voted for. It's a tiny part of Ohio voted for them. And then they rose to leadership positions in their party by God knows what means. Uh, bad, bad day, but this will go to court, I feel certain. You're listening to Today in Ohio. What is Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost's novel strategy for taking on Facebook in a civil lawsuit aiming at bringing the social media giant to account for all the hatred it has fomented in recent years? Layla, you could argue that no company has done more damage to the American psyche and to the American political system in the last 50 years than Facebook. The recent revelations of how much they profited by spreading hatred and anger uh, very specifically and intentionally because it generated more ads is is just dastardly. I mean, I cannot think of many companies that have done more damage for profit. Dave Yost has taken them on in a way that could be effective. Yes, and, and Ohio is not the only one that's uh, that's pursuing this path. So Ohio's largest public pension system is suing the parent company of Facebook, saying that they misled investors and other members of the public about the risks that Facebook poses to children and all of the products that Facebook created. The, the lawsuit from the Ohio Public Employees Retirement System and Dave Yost cites the September series of articles that ran in the Wall Street Journal based on documents from a whistleblower. And the documents showed that the company's researchers have known for years that Instagram was psychologically harmful to, to teenage girls, for example, yet it's still planned on this expansion of Instagram that targeted preteens anyway. Uh, this suit is is filed in federal court in California, and it says the Ohio Public Employees Retirement System bought $47.6 million worth of Facebook stock in July. That was a few months before the Wall Street Journal series ran. So, so, stock, so stock value clearly dropped on account of these revelations. Uh, Facebook stock traded Monday afternoon at $347 a share. That's down 
down about 1% from the price Ohio paid in July. And the lawsuit says Facebook's actions erased $100 billion in shareholder value. You know, Facebook was was Oprah's sixth largest stock position with the pension fund holding nearly 1.5 million shares worth $401 million. So a lot was at stake for this pension fund. And, you know, I, I don't know, though, Chris, do you think that this is really about holding Facebook accountable for its harm to society? Or is it just about recovering the lost stock value? No, <laughs> I felt look, like those I questions think... were swirling as I was reading the story. I think a lot of people are frustrated by the government's inaction on Facebook. Facebook, every minute of the day, cries fire in a crowded theater. You know, I look on, on Reddit, you see the Herman Cain Awards of these people that were super anti-vaxxers that have died of the coronavirus. And what, what they build those with is from Instagram and Facebook, all of their crazy statements about the vaccine and how it's ineffective. And it's, I mean, it's just on and on. And Facebook didn't regulate that. Facebook let that go because they made big money off of it. Whether it was what they were doing with Donald Trump or the elections or vaccines or masking or anything else, they have cried fire in a crowded theater. You can regulate that. That's you're not you. We do have a right to free speech, but I cannot endanger you. How many people have died of the coronavirus? because of reading nonsense, fiction on Facebook, that Facebook was making money on. And I think a lot of people are frustrated that they do not correct themselves. Year after year after year, Mark Zuckerberg claims, I'm cleaning it up, I've appointed committees. All of the work that the media did to, uh, with these public records from the whistleblower shows, they are despicable in the way they've gone about causing harm to America to make dollars. So. Yes, Yoast has a legitimate beef that it cost the pension fund money. But I think Dave Yoast, like everybody else, is sick of the harm that these social media really, though, companies because, are doing. All right. So so they bought nearly $50 million worth of Facebook stock in July. Are you telling me that's when they started to realize after that is when they realized that Facebook was harmful? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think what in Yoast July, looked, well, that's after yeah. that's after, uh, you know, the January 6th insur- insurrection. That's after all the garbage that happened back in in uh, during the presidential election and only in July. Rep- and so in July, they invest 50 million dollars of a public pension fund into Facebook. And now look, oh, at- now he's worried about all the hatred it's fomented in recent years. Come on. Th- this I is about money. Though- <laughs> I think, though, that what came out in the recent month enlightened everybody even what even with what you thought you knew about facebook it's way worse i mean they were methodically using their platform to cause harm to people because it made them money i don't i'm not disputing that i agree with you completely facebook is is the devil but (laughs) but i think that this the the you know to to say that this uh this lawsuit is dave yost trying to hold this social media giant to account is not totally accurate or you know a, a, a genuine representation of what he's pursuing here because why would you invest $50 million just so recently? And then, oh, oh, the Wall Street Journal suddenly blew it all open. Facebook is harmful. Wait, that's, wait. That's Dave, garbage. Dave Yost didn't invest $50 million. The pension fund board of directors invested $50 million. Dave Yost okay, is Okay, fair lawyer. enough, fair enough. And it's not the first time Dave Yost has gone after Facebook. He's filed some other lawsuits that I thought had weak strategies and and no nowhere to go. Because, but, it, but he has 
shown a, a habit of trying to curb this thing, which is damaging us all. It's causing our country, fellow country citizens to suffer. Anyway, it's a fascinating strategy. I'd love to see where it goes. If every state does this, it, it, it'll cost Facebook a ton of money and maybe it'll change their behavior. Really, I don't think they're going to change their behavior until they get rid of its creator, Mark Zuckerberg, because that guy just seems like he's evil, like you said. Moving on, you're listening to Today in Ohio. Deer hunting season starts in a couple of weeks, and the deer population is loaded with the coronavirus, first discovered in Ohio, by the way. How much of a danger, if any, does that present to Ohio's many hunters? Laura, this is one of those wacko ideas that I just threw on our morning memo saying, hey, we should check into this, not having any idea that it would actually bear fruit. But there is, there is a risk, after all. Yeah, there is a risk. And there's a Penn State study that found in certain counties in Ohio, a more than Sorry, I just mixed up Iowa and Ohio and put them into one. Iowa, uh, more than 80% of the deer there had COVID. Um, overall, of all the deer they tested, 33%. So they put out a release and a study basically telling hunters, you should beware because we don't really know the implications of this. I was kind of under the impression, beginning at the beginning of the coronas, coronavirus, that, you know, if your dog got COVID, like you probably couldn't catch it from your dog, but we still, we don't know what's going to happen between these animals and humans. And they think the animals caught it from the humans and spread it among themselves. And so if you are a hunter and you're going to go out for hunting season, that starts the gun hunting season starts in general, November 29th, uh, that they're recommending that hunters wear masks and gloves when they interact with these animals, which I'm sorry, I cannot see happening, but hey, maybe. Well, the the idea, look, we there, like you said, there's so much we don't know. One of the things right. in, in Pete Cross's story said that, that it is in the digestive tract. So, you know, that, that that as you're cutting these things open and dressing them, that creates a bit of a threat. Um, it's it just, it's fascinating. I still am thrown that by the fact that the deer got it from humans, because in my neighborhood, we got a lot of deer, but the humans don't really get close to them. So I, maybe there are people that feed deer oh, regularly. Oh, no, they do in my neighborhood. And... There are pictures But do on... they stand among them? Like, they, like they, they're not they coming have, inside our living six, room. They have six-point bucks eating out of their hand. I've seen pictures of it. It's crazy. Hmm. So, well, yeah. Well, I... That... I <laughs> it is well, illegal to feed deer here, but... Right. It, the experts do believe that if you're eating the venison that shouldn't be a problem assuming you cook it thoroughly so the precautions is really when you're uh coming up to the deer and getting close to them before you've like you know cut it all open so so the deer are not getting sick from like the waterways i mean we all we find evidence of you know covid in in our natural water you know rivers and streams and things right that that's the you know sewer runoff or whatever um Aren't they, are, can't they, can't they get it from there? It just seems that's more a, feasible than, than from humans. <laughs> I mean, we're not, I'm not, we're not breathing within it, the orbit of a deer. <laughs> right. Cause they're not coming inside with us. Right. I mean, it's all outside yes. and I'm not getting, I mean, my dog chases deer, but I'm not getting that close. I don't know. Well, it's good stuff. And if you're going out to hunt, you might want to read Pete Cross's story uh, it, because we have hundreds of thousands of people who will be hunting and it would be a shame if in the pursuit of their hobby, they ended up getting the coronavirus. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Will we ever solve this problem? Have Northeast Ohio banks ended their discrimination of black borrowers or are they still 
having much more difficulty getting mortgages than white people with identical financial situations. Lisa, I can't tell you how many times I've seen stories in 25 years in Ohio where banks say, okay, we got a program, we're going to fix this. And yet we still face this gigantic problem where all things being equal, black borrowers cannot get the money. And this is particularly disappointing to me because my family here in Cleveland has suffered through two generations of redlining going back to 1930, so almost 100 years. So it's very disappointing that things haven't changed since then. Uh, this is a study by Frank Ford. He's with the Western Reserve Land Conservancy, and he's a strong housing advocate. Basically, there's a community benefit agreement that some banks entered into uh, with the National Committee on Reinvestment Co Coalition. Those three Ohio-based banks are Key Bank, Huntington, and Fifth Third. Now, community benefit agreement means that they agree agree to lend or invest in low to moderate income areas, but we really haven't seen a whole lot of progress in the last five years. KeyBank uh, issued 370 mortgages in 2020. Only 48 of those were in east side or inner ring east side suburbs. Huntington, just over 1,000, 1,021, and only 252 of those in east side areas. And then Fifth Third, they didn't they had fewer mortgages in 2020 only 489 and only 72 of those are on the east side income is not an issue here high income blacks are rejected more than whites 11% versus 3% rejection rates. Also, they are rejected more than middle to moderate income whites, 4% to 11%. So things haven't made much progress in five years. So I don't know if these community benefit agreements are have any benefit. It doesn't appear to be. It's it's a ridiculous state of affairs. And what's, what's bizarre to me is, is this is a lucrative market. If you're a banker who makes money on mortgages, these are people that have money. I mean, it's right. like, why on earth would you not take them in as customers and and profit by the relationship for all the the financial reasons as well as the social reasons? It's just the banks continuously profess to care and to have an initiative to make a difference. If you have an initiative, there ought to be success. And yet there's no success. It's a very distressing story Eric Isaac wrote. You can read it on cleveland.com. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Let's do one more. Cuyahoga County has one of the highest rates of vaccinations, yet it still ranks number one in the state for coronavirus deaths. Layla, what, how do the numbers justify this? Is it just because we have a big population? In part, yes. I mean, you're right that, that Cuyahoga has the highest number of deaths. But when you look at deaths per thousand residents, Cuyahoga County doesn't even rank among the top 10. Hopefully that's attributable to the higher vaccination rate here. So the top three counties with the most COVID-19 deaths are Cuyahoga with 2,572 deaths, Franklin with 1,788, and Hamilton, which had just shy of 1,500. And that's all according to data through Sunday from the Ohio Department of Health. But despite the high death toll, as I said, Cuyahoga County's rate shakes out to 2.03 deaths per thousand people. Compare that to Monroe County, which only has seen 59 deaths, but that averages out to 4.4 deaths per thousand people. And Adams County, which had 105 deaths, and that comes to 3.8 per thousand. So when it comes to comparing the numbers, I think the, the broader context is important and in, in keeping in mind the, the size of population when, when thinking about, um, you know, high, how high the numbers actually have, have grown in, in Cuyahoga County. 
Yeah, I the, the I guess what jolts me is the number of people in Cuyahoga County who've died. It's it's a large number of deaths, and pretty much everybody that's died in Cuyahoga County since last spring probably is a needless death because mm-hmm. vaccinations were available and people could have been saved for the most part. So it's just a striking striking number worth remarking on. You're listening to Today in Ohio, and that'll do it for a Tuesday discussion about the news. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Layla. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening.